Hey, uh, so we're talking about Cynthia Nixon played Miranda Hobbs on the television program Sex in the City. Can't do. I can't even hum the Sex in the City tune. Yeah. All right, here we go. Doesn't get to mind. Let's do it. Um, okay, everybody. Hi, how's it going? This is Infinity License bonus content. Uh, I'm here with New York City and state expert historian. Uh, and returning guest, Charlie Walden. All around bastard and son of a bitch, Just too. A, a real son of a bee. Yeah, I'm S- your bonus content. I'm so sorry, folks. Hey, uh, free podcast. Yeah, hey, <laughs> get what you pay for with a free podcast. Exactly. Uh, who are, to all our listeners out there in Tajikistan and uh, you know Japan, for some reason, we were getting a lot of hits through Japan. Oh, I hey. think it's VPNs running out of China. Oh, so, hell yeah. yeah oh, so, yeah. <laughs> well, well, we'll take all we can get. Uh, Hello, I'm, folks. Yes. Um, but we're here today, Charlie, as you, you texted me and I was very excited about it because you and I are both very excited about the the insurgent Cynthia Nixon campaign for governor of New York State. That's exactly right. It's a very exciting time. You might have seen a couple of those headlines she's grabbing uh, and she's already sort of changed in the game by forcing Cuomo's freaking house of cards to fall down a little bit. Yeah, uh, he's been sort of freaking out ever since uh, the last uh, gubernatorial election when Zephyr Teachout got 30% of the primary vote. That's sort of the only uh, reason he's sort of like switched to being progressive rather than a weird uh, centrist dork, which he always has been and always will be. Uh, but yeah, the man's essentially a Republican and it's New York State, which is crazy. So there's a lot of crazy stuff about uh, the way Albany works and we can never explain it in a small podcast, but we can at least complain about it a little bit. But he kind of represents this this Republic, like Republican in a Democrat's clothing. Yeah, uh, so especially in New York, where money flows freely and money has always flown freely ever since the early pirate days and the <laughs> wampum of the Lenape. Uh, it's been a really horrifying sort of hell of uh, free moving uh, currency and exchange and you know power brokering. And Cuomo happens to be a uniquely uh, 21st century broker of this uh, sort of insanely decrepit, old, cobwebby type of power from the 1970s. But we're talking about this particular race. So the recent stuff you've probably seen about the uh, the pot, which is a big deal. She weirdly had a good position on that and a good reason. It wasn't just like a cash grab like it is in you know Ohio. And even in those western states, there's, they have their own sort of cases of, you know, uh, people with D's in front of their names, but are mostly just trying to make money for themselves and their friends. And that's what a lot of the marijuana industry is. And she knows how to tie it into, uh, you know, mass incarceration and the fact that uh, it's it's really just legal for white people. So. Yeah, well, that's a great yeah the John Mulaney bit about how it's like, let's be honest, it's been legal for us for a while. And it's true. And it's like, I mean, you could walk down the this, this streets in New York City and smell pot at almost any time. Yeah, I feel seriously. Like. No, I'm, I like there. Today's a beautiful day. It's uh, it's it's Saturday, uh, the 14th. You might remember if you're a New York listener mm-hmm. uh, and it, it's gorgeous and it smells like pot everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there are very specific descriptions of the sorts of people getting incarcerated in New York City. And so, yeah, all this stuff of just this weird sort of tough guy state that Cuomo represents. And he sort of thinks that because uh, uh, that he has the support of like real Democrats, but there just needs to be a clean sweep. And uh, 
we know because of Trump, we know because of Ronald Reagan that, uh, and even like Barack Obama is essentially a media guy. He has a bunch of interviews yeah. where he talks about his, like his chief of staff as essentially a showrunner. The presidency has always been a very specific genre of power theater and, uh, Cynthia Nixon and her team, uh, they, they think they're very good at it so far. Yeah. I'm interested in your angle. So the Cynthia Nixon campaign, so you're referring to that Cynthia this week on her campaign specifically highlighted that it's a criminal justice issue, the issue of marijuana legalization. It's not just this cash grab. Um, it's a lot of states seem to be coming wise, especially after the Colorado model and now California and Oregon and Washington, uh, that they're like, oh, well, this is free money. The, the public opinion is tilted in favor of marijuana legalization at this point. The cat is out of the bag. And now you've got people like John Boehner and other Republicans realizing that they're like, Oh, like uh, John Boehner, I think, is some consultant for like a marijuana legalization. Yeah, it's like Nick Lachey's it, company or something. Yeah. <laughs> of course, it's Nick Lachey. Yeah, in Ohio. <laughs> Nick Lachey is an Ohio Republican. Oh, God. But like, my point being, Cleveland. It's, it's interesting that I thought I was interested. I was very um, endeared to the campaign and very excited that they took this kind of idea that this is actually a human rights or a ju criminal justice rights issue around marijuana reform. She's very smart and she cares about ethics and she cares yeah. about, you know, meaning what she says. And that, you know, she has, like, spent enough time around super, super rich people to know what they're like. And, uh, you know, that she, pro I mean, I don't know if she would say it out loud because it pisses off most people. But she knows deep down that there's no such thing as a good billionaire. And that there's no uh, conceivable human way to, to amass $1 billion in a way that, uh, you know, you keep your hands clean and you've lived an ethical life. Yeah. And of course, there's a difference between the ethics and, you know, criminal codes. But I think uh, now it's, this is the time when the sort of amnesia of the Obama era is fading off uh, that people realize, oh, wait, nothing happens without people making it happen. And yeah. Cuomo's very anti, like, bottom-up organization. Uh, and that's sort of what happened very recently in the last couple of days uh, with the two unions that left the Working Families Party. A lot of big stuff was made out of that. Uh, it was just two unions out of, you know, dozens that have uh, that are associated with them. But basically they had this group, this uh, third party, uh, which is on most New York ballots. And a lot of times Democrats have dual uh, sort of uh, ballot lines for it. Uh, but they uh, they considered uh, endorsing Cynthia Nixon. And then uh, they had endorses after Teach Out in, I think, 2014 or 2012 or whenever mm -hmm. that last election yeah, was. Yeah, I don't remember that one. Um, yeah, I, I remember the endorsement. I don't remember what year. Yeah, and yeah. so he sees them as, like, the from-the-left threat. Um, well, it's so then it's interesting, though, because I think Cuomo has been... I think he's been, because of the Cynthia Nixon campaign, I think it seems obvious that, like, he's... That progressives have sniffed out this um that he's just using the d in front of his name to make it seem like he's he's a, a true progressive but now has like realized that oh there's this heat on me now i actually have to demonstrate that i have to, oh look i'm gonna look we're dissolving the independent democratic caucus it's dissolved which is like which is also kind of a essentially a, a nothing but a a, a show because the state legislature is already over voting on most leg legislation uh their legislative session has ended uh, at this point, so it's not really demonstrating anything on that front. Um, there, he made other concessions where, like, or is talking about like the schism that's going on that you referred to in the Working Families Party, where like, a couple of unions are leaving the Working Families Party. Cynthia Nixon might is going to be on the ballot. I, I think she's going to be on the ballot for Working yeah, Families. Uh, yeah. So he gave up the uh, the ballot line for Working Families Party. That was going to be a way that he was going to try to get progressive bona fides, but there was no way they were actually going to do it because this is an actual group that organizes actual people to gain actual political power. Yeah. The, the, the level that he's at with them is very much these like sort of old unions that have sort of completely abandoned the actual political activism part of being a union. The uh, this not uh, 
people never talk about this at all, but the whole reason there's even public housing and low-income housing in New York City at all is because of a lot of construction unions and stuff got involved with that. And yeah. they put a bunch yeah. of pressure on an older version of Albany, you know, from decades and decades ago. Uh, but now they've, they've very much, the construction unions have just, are, are pro more and more industry. And a lot of times these we get these uh, sort of, uh, figures that are a lot like Cuomo in the own, in the individual unions who uh, sort of have this D on their name and have all of this, you know, the, like the equivalent of like flair all over their, yeah. uh, all over their TJ Friday's vest. Of it, their Cuomo's the sales pitch for him, which sometimes I understand. And sometimes I don't, I don't personally, cause it doesn't align with my politics, but I can see older people that you're referring to is like, well, you know, like you kind of hear, you heard this about Hillary Clinton too. She's like, well, she's a crook, but she gets things done. You know, it's like they know how to operate the machine. So do you think there's, do you think in the post 2016 election there, there is room for that? Or do you think that's an old model? The, I think Trump kind of proved that the whole, like all these analyses of like, you know, tipping the, the, the needle and, you know, changing things a little bit. And, and like a lot of this, like, Stuff is just at the end of the day theater of punditry, and it's dumb. Yeah. And it doesn't mean anything. Radical incrementalism. Of, yeah, yeah and at yeah. the end of the day, electoral politics is a street fight. It's a contest to get more votes, and the people who get the most votes are the people who are most effective at getting the votes. Well, yeah, and that's actually that is what I want to talk about too. Is that like, do you think now? I'm curious, and I have this is my philosophy, or what I would say, Nixon, Cynthia Nixon campaign is that I think that the way that New York State policy, it's, it's a certainly an uphill battle for the Nixon campaign. They have a lot of, like Cuomo is an establishment incumbent politician in New York State, a heavy Democratic state where people are going, and he's got a political machine with a lot of money behind it. Uh, Cynthia Nixon's kind of got the things going for her from like the rhetoric that align, seems to align more certainly with downstate voters and certain voters in other, like maybe college towns and upstate, um, certainly Syracuse, uh, Buffalo, Rochester, um, that, that kind of stuff. Um, I'm curious to see if she will get out the vote. And I'm, I would say to her campaign managers that what they should be focusing on is registering first time young Democratic voters in like Binghamton, Rochester, Buffalo, because if you're not registered for a Democrat, if you're registered to vote and you're not currently registered as Democrat, but you're interested in voting for her campaign, you can't vote for her until the day after the general election. So you, you're even if you switch parties right now and you're a registered voter uh, in New York State, but you're not a registered Democrat, you won't be able to vote on the Democratic primary line. You, you will, be, will be able to vote for her in the general election under the Working Families Party line, but like at that point, they're just going to split the essentially split the the uh, the left vote, uh, which could lead to us having a some kind of clown like a Carl Paladino style governor which nobody wants. I yeah, well, yeah, uh, I, I see if I mean if she loses the Democratic primary, I mean I guess it's up to her team whether or not she's going to, you know, stay in uh, yeah. for WFP like if it becomes, you know, like clear that the 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 vote is getting split. Uh but if we ended up with Bo Deedle as governor, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get, check back with us in twenty early or late twenty eighteen, November twenty eighteen. If Bo Deedle has somehow ascended to the governor's mansion, yeah, I mean, Bo Deedle <laughs> becoming governor is not crazier than Donald Trump or Bo Deedle becoming the president of the United States. Yeah. Well, do you think so? Then my my curiosity is, I'm I am out of touch. Obviously, you and I live in Brooklyn. Uh, you know the the white the liberalist ass place in in New York State. Except for maybe you could maybe look to Woodstock or I, 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 don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. yeah, but like I would I would wager that we're in probably the most progressive leaning part of the state, um, other than maybe certain parts of Manhattan or um, uh, other parts small pockets of New York State. I'm curious to see if 
where Cynthia Nixon will be able to make inroads uh, in other parts of the state, certainly state parts of the state that are seen as more the Republican base, where Republican legislators are, like the more rural parts of New York State. So I'm wondering if, A, she should even focus on them, or if there's any issues that she can present as this like Manhattan kind of actress. Um, I'm like wondering what she she has to offer to those people. You know what Yeah, I, mean? I guess a lot of those places really don't have enough social programs or anything. If they can just see the actual, uh, a lot of people have made a lot of great inroads and, you know, places like West Virginia and Kentucky where you, they, they feel like they're like red strongholds. And then people have a lot of support for like new deal style, real left wing democracy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I assume they, you know, got a whole plan of like what they're going to offer. I assume probably a lot of stuff about like concrete solutions to opioid things and, yeah. you know, using the power of uh, the governor's mansion to clamp down on the sort of free hyper capitalism that sort of causes a lot of this, uh, yeah. you know, interstate commerce and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, yeah, there's especially like with legislation in New York state, people don't pay attention to so much of that shit. Like Cy Vance, the, the, the Manhattan attorney, who, who it turns <laughs> out is the guy who like has the, was involved with, you know, uh, not prosecuting Harvey Weinstein on, on the take from Weinstein. Exactly. Yeah, and, yeah. and like, not only that, but just, you know, taking free flowing money from, uh, from, developers and all, the, right. all these other uh and but and he's also because he's the uh, attorney for manhattan is like responsible for mass incarceration you know in the public housing units and everything north of 125th street yeah which if you know they this apparatus uh this sort of ghost machine gets their way you know there will be no uh there will be no apartments uh, for rent under two thousand dollars a month on yeah. the entire island of manhattan yeah because they just are hoping that they can get uh as many wealthy people as possible from all over the world because it's not just like it's not dozens of people there are hundreds or possibly thousands of people employed in the new york real estate industry whose job it is to constantly find these markets that are opening up like people in say like luxembourg or yeah, the united yeah. arab emirates who th never saw themselves as brooklyn people but they'll uh, they'll give them a really really great uh, sales pitch yeah and all of a sudden these these you know, other people are displaced, displaced, and lifelong New Yorkers now have to move in with family in a place that's not New York, and they're no longer New Yorkers. Yeah, and just yeah, just park your money in real estate and just essentially vacate entire neighborhoods with with like capital that flows in. I mean, London certainly is dealing with this issue right now. New York. Uh, is very much dealing with this issue right now. How can we get to people to the next thought? Where it's like, well, let's think about like housing in a way that like, okay, like we all agree yeah. that we have to live in a place. And <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> so, so a, a, a citywide rent freeze is not a crazy thing to do. The only people who don't win are landlords who want to raise rent on people. Right. Uh, so if they can't afford to continue keeping a particular apartment building up without raising rents, they're fucking lying, and they're always lying. They have a fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders to fucking lie all of the time. Yeah. These are Kushners. These are Manaforts. These people deserve to cry. These people deserve to be thrown in prison. <laughs> these people deserve to be relieved of their tremendous burden of their real estate, and it ought to be seized by the city or by the state. These are easy things to do. The city knows how to steal, how to seize private housing, private historic brownstones when they want to build something like the Barclays Center. They can at least keep the fucking balance even and seize that many properties from giant multinational corporate conglomerate actors who are not really participating in New York even a little bit. They're using us. Yeah. And they're using, yeah. and, and these are the types of people like Trump who don't pay, will go an entire year without paying a little bit of federal tax. Uh, and uh, the, the whole time they're addicted to suing people, so they're using the courts for free. Yeah. They, 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 these people are leeches. These people ought to be made into villains. Yeah. And I think somebody who has the, you know, 
Uh, I'm excited to see what the Nixon campaign does with bigger media things rather than just like, you know, policy statements and like the spectacle of what people who are actually inspired onto, you know, expressions of of of, uh, of loyalty and beauty are going to do. You know, yeah. like if you go to Hyde Park, there's all these like art that people made for Franklin Roosevelt. The art that people are making for Donald Trump is like terrifying. <laughs> uh, you know, like, like that Pepe one. Pepe or Groiper. And there, there has to be a more beautiful future because this century the oceans are going to rise a lot of the uh a lot of new york city is going to become underwater and we're also going to get millions of climate refugees from all around the world who need to know who need to have a place where they can lead meaningful lives but the real the realization of like when climate climate refugees and war refugees like arrive in new york city in droves or or in the surrounding area in droves is when you're going to see policy be made and then that's going to be at that point it'll probably be like too late i'd also be curious you're talking about so yeah donald trump taking advantage of like tax breaks and like the adam curtis hyper normalization documentary is a great resource to watch how um how donald trump in the you know in the 70s just realized like oh well the city's bankrupt and they're just giving it's like the tim heidecker meme it's it's free real estate exactly (laughs) um and so they're just like well whatever we'll just give it over to these developers they don't nobody's interested in this west side these west side properties why don't we just just let somebody who's willing to put property on it and manage it like own it for free um i implore all our listeners to go listen to uh, or watch the adam curtis three hour (laughs) hyper normalization documentary i mean bernie and cynthia nixon definitely will i I don't know enough about like cynthia nixon's uh, uh other uh, politics especially like it's great because being like new, new york governor you have to have positions on like international shit you know right. and yeah. like bernie's not perfect he's he's in his 70s and he's obviously in his 70s right uh, yeah. and 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 uh he's like this you know he he is like what he is and he i think pe- he, people responded so well to him and so in such a big way to him because it's such a simple proposition that government should exist to make constituents lives measurably easier in a functioning nation state democracy yeah (laughs) so this this like Rahm Emanuel uh Barack Obama Hillary Clinton type of uh left you know leftism supposedly or technocratism I would call it yeah Uh, technocracy is like is just really based on you know this like rising tide lifts all boats things and it's mostly based on ignoring what people's actual problems are it's yeah. uh, it's you know, it, it listens to people, but it only like sort of sort of nods and furrows its eyebrows. And at the end of the day, it exists to make more money for the types of people who will keep the money train rolling. Right. And New Yorkers should understand that New York has a very good, cool left wing past. It is insane that Cuomo has the same position in the same party as people like Franklin Delano Roosevelt and Alfred Emanuel Smith. So people will either use rhetoric to get in the position that they are, which uh, to be honest, Donald Trump is using has used and to get in his position, but also Cynthia Nixon is like you know Cynthia Nixon like is going to ride if she's going to go anywhere with the campaign is just going to ride on pure rhetoric and highlighting just like look I you haven't been served by this and I will serve you and I can demonstrate that and Cuomo is only going to be able to parry that with the idea of just like look I I can work in government i've done it my whole life and like yeah. so he he's riding on his experience she's riding on her inexperience but her ability to highlight what his experience has delivered for constituents so so it's a matter of whether the sales pitch comes down to do people want to be like okay are their lives material better materially better or worse or are they going to be if we have this new person 
Um, or are they, or are we going to get worse off if we have somebody who's not necessarily experienced, but is, is speaking to what I want? <laughs> yeah. Know? I mean, like, like at least yeah. in the city, everybody knows how shitty the subways are. And oh, yeah. I think, and, and I mean, I, I obviously can't speak for anybody but myself, but you know, generally you, you, it, it's, it's, it's a very human reaction when you have a very horrible commute to wonder whose fault it is. And I think, and most people know it, I guess, I mean, uh, a lot of the de Blasio uh, Cuomo weird little dick flexing contest uh, centers around whose fault the subway is. Yeah. And well, Cuomo always like always says like city should pay for it. Since the Rockefeller administration, they, the state has been responsible for the MTA's budget, which is essentially like running the MTA, <laughs> running the MTA. It's like saying how much money the MTA has dictates how it, it serves and like how construction products projects are implemented so but i think that's actually that's the genius or like that's why new york state politics get so obfuscated and even us trying to unpack this in a half an hour conversation is impossible because it's just like well the people that live here don't even is it is it the city is it the city council that can do stuff to fix the subway not really is it the state well yeah they have to expand the mta budget but that also involves like the state legislature and guess what a lot of those people with R in front of their name in the state legislature, there's no way they're voting to expand the, they're like what people in their district are like, why the hell are my tax dollars going to help out these like these white liberals in Brooklyn that are yeah. running podcasts, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, the, but, like, but then, and that's the, the way they see it is like with so much contempt and it's such an insane fucking accident of literally the, the lines they drew in the revolutionary war that yeah. New York City's even in the same state as Albany. Yeah. Like in a world that made even a tiny bit of sense, we, we, we wouldn't have to worry about the, the power brokering with the sort of upstate Republicans and people in progressive people in New York have been talking about splitting from the rest of the right. state for just about as long as we've had an entity known as the United States of America. Right. Uh, just because they, they, when they drew those, like Vermont was not one of the original 13 colonies. Yeah. Uh, it, they had to sort of draw what those borders were. And it was just, you know, because of uh, the territory that the, the old Dutch Knickerbocker ruling class happened to occupy. Uh, that now we're like in the same boat as them, and uh, the love me a good Knickerbocker. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, the Knickerbockers it, are not that good. <laughs> no, 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 no. They, they never were Knickerbockers. <laughs> I mean, I mean the basketball team. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, but the the just the 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 theater of how power works in Albany is so like involves so many like yeah. smoke bombs and yeah, you know, it's just like illusionary. Yeah, chafe and and uh, like uh, signal flares that go off every direction. Yeah. yeah, and I think everybody hopes that there is a better way in the future. And so yeah, I don't know how Cynthia is going to do in the rest of the state. And uh, uh, you know, I I can't don't really know people in the rest of the state, so I can't really speak to that at all. Well, I, I did want to bring up. I read this in the Washington Post. So the, there was a Washington Post, which I'll share with the when I post this uh, in a Washington Post piece about the end of New York's Independent Democratic Caucus or um, where it's like the IDC who are essentially the we've talked about it before on the podcast, but the IDC who are voting uh, who are, had Democratic were ran as Democrats, but were essentially voting with the Republicans and giving. Uh, Cuomo a little bit of leverage to say it's like look I can be a power broker and work with both sides uh, while, while getting certain progressive legislation on the front of like social issues really kind of scuttling stuff related to like either labor rights or, or uh, stuff related to uh, charter schools that kind of stuff um, but People asked, so the Washington Post piece where they said, why did this, why did the IDC disband? Well, if you ask a liberal, they'll say it was the pressure from that um, uh, 68 
or so progressive groups and eight primary challenges and Cynthia Nixon are putting on the government and I'm putting on the governing coalition. If you ask governor Cuomo and he'll say it wasn't, it wasn't that at all. It was about Democrats rediscovering what they stood for (laughs) and ask the reporters who exposed how the IDC membership was helping some senators pad their salaries. uh, They'll tell you uh, the politics became unsustainable. Yeah. Like the, and which is just like highlights. I think that is, if we can't distill it, that paragraph distills what the whole issue is. This like try corner issue of just like okay, well progressives actually want stuff. Then there's like the governing technocratic po- politicians who are like, no, they just all these IDC people just had this come to Jesus moment where they realized. That, yeah, no, there was a spiritual <laughs> moment. It just happened to coincide with uh, this, you know, post-Trump awakening of people realizing that they aren't actually going to be taken care of by the representatives who are, in fact, in an industry. Yeah. Uh, political corruption in New York is an industry the same way that real estate is. It's, you know, there aren't really any uh, working people involved. They're not really making anything, but it's a lot of money that's being exchanged for very specific material benefits. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, most specifically, uh, capital <laughs> yeah 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 uh and and so yeah, yeah just they, they want more money being exchanged all the time and and it, it it sort of follows this uh this very old sort of bill clinton era uh yeah. sort of take on just kind of take destroying you know working class community the question is that like i i think if politics continue on the road they are if people don't see any kind of uh, in, particularly in New York City, if they don't see anything addressed or the govern, government in Albany addressing their needs, there might actually start to be a grassroots movement for New York City to become like an independent like kind of city state. Like, whether it's a city state, that's a, that's a long way off and probably not realistic, but seem, something the way that like Hong Kong or like Washington, D.C., where it's this independent g- governing jurisdiction uh, gets... Uh, gets its own representation. Do you ever see like Do you ever see anything like that happening? And then, like- uh, I, I I guess if it became like clear to everybody that uh, you know there was a very easily um, identifiable uh, sort of thing that would have made their lives a lot easier. That's not because yeah. of the bondage to the state, but yeah, I mean, especially since there haven't really been any, any meaningful uh, movements about. You know, changing the number of stars on the flag since 1958, which right. is like almost outside of living memory. Like the people who were yeah. adults in public life in 1958 yeah. are have uh, certainly reached the arc of their uh, careers. And so this idea of <laughs> by being the, dead. Yeah. And, 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 and also just like the, the I mean, New York being like the base of this giant empire has always it's not really as blue as you think it is you know the ruling class in new york has always been this weird feudal class of like like ceos and their families and uh the people who can keep them in power yeah and you know so like when we're talking about uh like the cool working class stuff that happened in like the 1880s and 90s and early 1900s in new york city this was still the gilded age so anything meaningful that happens will be because this age gets more and more gilded the more uh, we don't get stuff done. Uh, so, yeah, I, I really hope that something like that could happen with New York City. But and maybe it would be something like the MTA that causes it to happen because it is so pathetic how much worse our subway system is than, you know, even much smaller, supposedly less impressive and much less proud cities. Yeah. You know that that it, it is just it's going to get worse and worse until somebody does something about it. And it's so like if you look at places like Japan after earthquakes, they'll just get two extra they'll repair two entire uh, subway station stairways in a weekend yeah. just because it's a priority whereas we have you know stuff like 
at, at the Bedford Avenue subway station has needed two more uh, <laughs> staircases for probably the last five years, and they've just all they've done is like close down part of the street. And we're uh, about to shut down the L train from damage that happened six, seven years ago that now is is going to cause like a massive fracture in in the part of North Brooklyn and uh, and Lower Manhattan. Yeah, and yeah. even all this stuff is just like <laughs> bailing water out, and it's just and sometimes they can make this like and they'll spend millions of stuff on of dollars on like you know putting Wi-Fi in the subway stations which is yeah. and and not actually make them run on time and they they're slowed down just because they don't they like a lot of the signal systems are from the 1930s right uh and there's just it's like there's 42,000 people who work for the MTA and they all know uh exactly they've had really concrete experiences with it being not good enough this will be the last one but like with Cynthia Nixon um you know Obviously, she, her base is going to be here in the city. So she, her work that needs to be done is convincing people upstate. So who can she activate or who can she say to... Like, what is a message that she could say? So, so she's running on this MTA thing, but like, what is the thing that she'll deliver to up, people upstate that'll, that'll also serve them? Uh, she just needs to identify uh, easy, simple ways that these people's lives suck because of, Mar- of uh, Andrew Cuomo. Yeah. And it might be opioid I epidemic, opioid uh, but opioid there's, goes, there's yeah. so many things of just like the hollowing out of infrastructure, maybe even like a jobs guarantee. Any place along the Erie Canal, she can make them proud of the Erie Canal and that history and talk about, you know, just like putting people to work on, on public works. Uh, but I think, I guess it, it will have to be something like, jobs guarantee or single payer will be huge too because everybody except people who like work for insurance companies essentially knows that single payer has to happen and yeah. new york is the state that has the largest percentage of the population that supports it yeah uh, so if something like, like the new york health act which uh it's 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 corked in this in the state senate right now <clears> yeah uh, but if if the if the ratio changes and you know especially if the governor changes and uh you can make you can sort of show people a concrete path to their uh lives becoming measurably easier they'll respond to that because i think people are sick of like the culture war shit and they are ready for you know something that has nothing to do uh with politics as it was i'm biased and i think that's prescient though but i think her campaigning upstate on the new york health act and being like look this is bottled up right now and it could be delivering much needed services to your communities would really tilt the scales in her favor i also think she should activate the college vote because that that's who she'll get out but they're hard they're hard to get out there those kids yeah you hear us cynthia (laughs) yeah look Charlie and I will be our pro bono advisors to your campaign right now. That's uh, right. Like uh, we get paid tons of money otherwise to do other things. So, uh-huh. um, anyway, all right. So this has been a good one. Thank Charlie. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, there. I hope you enjoyed the bonus. Oh yeah, this, uh, everyone bonus. gets a bonus, free bonus, everybody. That's right. You think it's great.